Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Here's Pastor Ryan. Well, good morning. Blessed to be with you guys. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm looking forward to the uh, Christmas Eve service next next week, so uh, are you? Yeah, it's going to be a great time, best time of year to, you know, focus on the reason why our Lord came into the world, into the world. And we know it's to save sinners, right? As the Apostle Paul said, he came into the world to save sinners in whom I am chief. And that is a good word. That is why this season is so miraculous, because we remember the time that our Lord came into the world to save us, to die on the cross for our sins, to be buried, and to rise on that third day for our justification. And even now, he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you and me. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for all that you've done. You've done so much. You've given us your only begotten Son to redeem us. We were lost in our sins, Lord. We were a part of the kingdom of darkness, and you transmitted us into the kingdom of the Son of your love. We are, not, we are now a part of your kingdom of light. And we ask this morning, Lord, that we would learn more about your kingdom ways. For, Lord, we are not of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so this morning we want to learn of the things of heaven. We want to hear from your heart. Not me, but you, Lord. We love you, Father. We pray you'd pour out your grace that our hearts would be prepared, that you would remove any distractions, any hardness in our lives, any pride. For you say in your word that you teach the humble your way. Teach us this morning, Lord. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen. amen. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, last week we did the introduction to this second letter of Paul's. It's his second letter to the church at Corinth. It's a the church that he planted four years prior. And it was a church that was rich in spiritual gifts. They had a lot of good things going on for, uh, going on in their church spiritually, but they also had a lot of problems. And so that first letter to the Corinthian church was one, it's a heavy letter of, of correction, of exhortation, of rebuke, really. And so the Apostle Paul um, is writing this follow-up letter. He got news that they actually received the first letter in a good way. And a good way, I mean that they repented of the things that needed to change. The Lord Jesus Christ, he came not just to save us, but to change us. And a lot of times the problem isn't that he would save us. The problem is, are we willing to make the changes he wants us to make? That's where the church might struggle with. And so 
the Corinthian church, they received this strong letter. And it was strong because they were being influenced by the world around them. Corinth, I mean, it was like the capital, that in Athens, the capital of humanism, the worship of human intellect, you know, who you know, what you know, what's your education. Uh, it was, you know, filled with immorality of all sorts. The worship of the goddess Aphrodite was there. And so there was all kinds of worldly influences that the church was still dealing with. And the, that first letter was to tell them to come out from that. And in this letter, he will also tell them to separate themselves from that stuff again. And the Lord desires the same for you and I. We're in the world, but not of the world. We were pulled out of this dark world. We're told in Scripture that the world is under the sway of the devil. This means that anyone who's not born again, whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not, they are being influenced and swayed by the devil himself. This world is dark, and we are told time and again that uh, we are to stay clear of this world's ways. John the Beloved wrote in his first epistle, chapter 2, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We have been called to abide forever. Jesus Christ came to give us eternal life. Our, our life doesn't end when these tents die. We go on into eternity forever. And God desires that we live with that mindset that we are a people that are to abide in Christ so that we abide forever. That we're stable, unlike the world that's shaken by the wind or by the weather but that we are Christians who stand strong, founded on the rock, Jesus Christ. We see the world for what it is because we once were in it. We know all about it, or we should know about it. Remember where he pulled you from. We know their ways, and their ways are no longer to be our ways. Amen? The lust of the flesh, that's the sexual immorality that our flesh tries to rile up and and get, you know, every good Christian to, to think on immoral sexual thoughts. That's the, the lust of, of the flesh. We are to walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And there's so much sexual immorality and perverse, perverseness. It's everywhere. And we are to stay clear of it. The Bible says to flee youthful lust. The Bible says to run from it. Not to get near it. Not to play with it, but to go away from it. The Bible here talks also about, John also says, the lust of the eyes. Living for material things, living for money, living for possessions. Letting our possessions be our identity. Our identity is in Christ. He had nowhere to lay his head. The world, it, 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 he talks about the pride of life. What is that? 
that we would be known instead of Christ, that we would be famous and not Jesus. Pride. This, this kind of look at me kind of generation that we're living in. It's, it's with Instagram now, like I tease out of Instagram, the heart speaketh. You know? Oh, I'm humble. Yeah, well, look at your Instagram account. My goodness, can you not take another picture of yourself? Our Lord made himself of no reputation. He was the most spiritual man in the room, and we wouldn't know it. He was humble. He was comely. He would not be desired from the outside. It was his words that would bring life. If, if Jesus chose to come into this world to be the most handsome guy in the world, who can deny the gospel? He's handsome. We would all say, okay. But no, he came so that it had to be the spirit. It had to be you choosing his words, not his appearance, not the outside. Paul, Paul that letter was strong, but he was strong, and it was strong because he loved them. Oftentimes, uh, churches and pastors get the wrong reputation of being too strong. It could be because maybe the word of God brings conviction. Jesus told his brothers, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Vernon McGee said famously, I do not judge a Christian by his friends, but about how many enemies he has. Yes. Yes, Vernon McGee. <laughs> Oh, gosh. We're in this world, not of this world. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. And so Paul was telling the church to make these corrections. And he did it not because he was harsh or didn't love them. He said to them in 1 Corinthians 4, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructions in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus... I have begotten you as through the gospel. See, he said, I, I wrote this not to shame you, but as a father, I warn you. See, pastor's job is, a pastor's job are to warn the congregation, to warn. Even, even Mary, when she brought baby Jesus to Simeon, you know, he's, he told her that this child will be the cause of the rise and the fall of many in Israel. This gospel that we preach is going to be the cause of the rise and fall of many on this planet. The Lord only sees people in two ways. You're either born again or you are not. He likes distinct distinctions or clear distinctions. They responded to their father in the faith. They responded to Paul wonderfully. They made the changes. So as, he, as we study this book, you'll, you'll hear his joy in that they responded. But there was also false teachers that came in who were trying to discredit him um, to the church. And so he has to speak on this a lot of times in this book, which we'll get into. He had to... Fight against the false teachers because if, if they can get the church to discredit Paul, they're basically getting the church to discredit Jesus. Amen? And so here in his greeting, um, 
I'll repeat some of what I did last week because as I was preparing, the Lord led me to do so. But he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, uh, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort that that which we ourselves are comforted by God. Blessed be the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Aren't you grateful that God is the, the Father of mercies? What is mercy? It, it means not receiving the punishment that's due to us. That's mercy. Some have forgotten that we deserve to be in hell. But God, in his divine love, loved you and I so much that even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us that much, and his mercies are new every day. And the best prayer and the best exercise for Christians to do is to be honest with their sinful state. Not that we have to be redeemed again, but we have to be washed daily. As Jesus told Peter, Peter, if I do not wash your feet, you'll have no part with me. And so daily we come to him and say, mercy, Lord. And he says, yes, I'm your father. And here's a ton of mercy upon you. And you're forgiven. And you, oh, thank you, Lord. But he's also the God of comfort who comforts us in all of our uh, tribulation. And that word tribulation means severe pressure, affliction, anguish, burden, persecutions, uh, distresses of life. And I mean, I love that definition because it says severe pressure. Not that I like severe pressure. I do not like severe pressure. But tribulation is severe pressures, anguish. Affliction, sorrow of soul. The Apostle Paul says that the God of all comforts comforts us when we experience these things. Jesus said before he went to the cross in John 16, 33, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so the Lord warns us that we will have tribulation because of the same reason I had previously mentioned. Because his morals, his word is an offense to this world. It's an offense to Satan and the kingdom of darkness. That we should love God with all of our hearts, surrender our lives to him, uh, repent of our sins and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's offensive to Satan. And so because of that, in this world we'll face tribulation. But Jesus says, I want you to be of good cheer. I want you to have peace. I want you to have comfort in spite of what you go through because he is the God of all comfort. And stronger is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But there are many today who face no persecution. They face the same trials as those in the world do. And the thing about tribulation is that as believers in Christ, we are still in this world, yet not of it. We suffer the same afflictions as everybody else in the world. We suffer sickness, we suffer disease, we get tired, we, there's, there's death, there's loss, there's all kinds of hardship that the world faces. We face it with them because we live in this fallen world. But there's another level of anguish and affliction that the world does not know. 
and it is the affliction and the severe pressure that a Christian faces spiritually because we have we have counted ourselves to be God's children. We stand with Jesus and he was hated and thus there is this spiritual warfare that the world has no idea about, that you understand the moment you come to Christ, that there's all kinds of things. You can't put your finger on it, but there's all these things that seem to be working against you. My goodness, I I keep banging my knee or my foot and stubbing this, and stuff. all these weird things happen, and you're wondering, how can all of these things just happen to me all in one day, and all in a half hour, all in 15 minutes? I hit my head, I drop this, I bang that, uh, you know, and all of these bad things. Because there's spiritual things happening that God knows about and we as his children should know about as well. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's spiritual dark forces of the devil that come against God's children and the world has no idea of that kind of tribulation but you and I do. It's real. And the more you declare yourself to be a follower of Christ. The more you declare, today I'm going to be more obedient than I was yesterday, then you're going to face some attacks, some pushback, because you become a threat to the devil. But if you're just chillaxing all the time, living your own life, really not much different than, than, you, than you did before, maybe you just don't cuss as much. There has to be a clear distinction. I live for God now. I serve him. He's my everything. When you start going hardcore, putting your foot on that gas to really give God your all, the warfare gets heavier. But guess what else gets heavier? The comfort. And you and I experience such comfort. Blows our minds away. How at peace and at chill you can be with the storm all around you. Because you know he's in the boat with you. And you're in the boat with him. The God of all comfort. God wants us to learn his comfort so that we can serve others with the comfort that we have received from him. I'm going to repeat that. God wants us to learn his comfort so that we can serve others with the comfort that we have received from him. I shared about my spiritual mom, I think, last week, but we did so many things this week. There's a lot of ministry. I don't know. I didn't look at the tape. But if you didn't hear it, here it goes. Here you go. Here it goes again. My spiritual mom, Sue, her picture's in the back, in the, in the lobby there with me and Chuck in Israel. You know, she, she had one son. God gave her one son, Nate. And he died when he was 18 in a car wreck. And she had diabetes as a little girl. And so when she was pregnant with Nate, she didn't know if she was going to be able to go through the whole pregnancy. And he survived the pregnancy, and he grew up to be a big old football player and had a scholarship to Arizona. And on the way to check out the dorms, car flipped and him and a couple of his friends got killed now she it was a calvary chapel lady sister 
I mean, she went to Steve Mays' home Bible study before Steve Mays had a church. She went to Costa Mesa during the 10 days, so she knew the Word of God very well. And you know, Mama Sue could have gone the bitter route. She could have gone the route where she just goes away and isolates herself. But you know, she chose to just give it to God and to let the God of all comfort comfort her. And she took that comfort and she had to comfort all the kids at the high school in Moreno Valley where he was a CIF champion and was a huge football star at the high school. So she ministered to tons of kids. It's as if I can't run away and, and go off, on, be by myself and, and have all this time to mourn. I, I have to care for these kids. And, and I think that's the heart of why we go through suffering. Because she would meet me one day and witness to me one day. And I was a kid who needed a mother. And she was ready to minister to me because of the Lord's comfort in her life. So she ministered to me and, and cared for me as she would have her son Nate. And I ended up at Costa Mesa and I ended up meeting my wife there. And Mama Sue said that the Lord told her, if your son was still here, you would take him to Israel. I want you to take Ryan. And that's exactly what she told me when she paid for me to go to Israel. Because the comfort by which she was comforted with didn't just belong to her. The spiritual gifts that the Corinthian church has and the spiritual gifts that our church has, and all of us have spiritual gifts because when he ascended on high, he gave all of us gifts of the Spirit. Some of us just haven't figured them out because you don't step in the water. You got to get in the water, man. Start serving and you'll see your gift rise up and the church will recognize that and see that and get you to where you need to be. But the gift of God's comfort in her life wasn't for her only. It was to give to the body. It was, there's going to be people you need to minister to now. And she did that. I figure if we're going to go through such affliction and tribulation, if we're going to go through such anguish of soul, and we go through incredibly tough times as a minister for 24 years, 23 years. You know, if we're going to go through such pain, why not use it as God intended the comfort we receive to be now given to those who need comfort? If we don't give it to other people, if we are not around, if we say, I'm different and I need months and months and months to, to recover, I'm sorry. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you strength to recover here so that you can share the comfort with others that God meant your pain to bring to the church. When I was in the world, I uh, sought comfort in my own ways. Did you? What'd you do when you were in the world and you sought comfort? You know, I hated life. 
I wanted to die. I burned myself with cigarettes. I fought people that I had no business fighting. I was so involved in reckless life because I had no self-worth. I had no love. So then I learned at an early age, I think I was, was my 14th birthday? I don't remember, my 15th. I remember for my birthday drinking as a little teenage boy drinking two Mickey's 40-ounce malt liquors and just getting wasted for the first time. And in Omani, there was a lot of drugs everywhere. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.